you're tuned in to the Hearing Matters podcast, the podcast that discusses hearing technology, best practices, and a national epidemic, hearing loss. Here with your hosts, Dr. Gregory Delfino and Blaze Delfino of Audiology Services and Fader Plugs. Dr. Delfino, nice to see you from uh, more than six feet away. How are you doing? <laughs> well, thank you, Blaze. Um, again, we've been doing our social distancing here, not only for our patients and everyone else, but family as well. So it, it really is good to see you, Blaze. It's good to see you too, Dad. What's interesting is that today marks exactly one month since we temporarily closed audiology services and I remember it like it was just yesterday. I know it's been um, it's been 30 days, but that was quite interesting. Being in the clinic, we had read the um, the article about Governor Wolf encouraging uh, businesses to close to flatten the curve. And we really took that extremely, extremely seriously because of, number one, our patient population. So, Dr. Delfino, if we want to dovetail off that. Yeah, I mean, you know, after all the years of practice, this has never happened uh, before. So it was a novel approach for all of us and hearing uh, audiology services as well. Um, our patient population is considered to be um, one of the more at risk for the for contracting the disease. So, um, again, it was a, it was a hard blow for not only us as a family, but also for our patients as well. We wanted to make sure that they were protected, that they were safe, and that they were able to get the services that they needed. Absolutely. And that's, that's really what it came down to. We always express that we, we hold ourselves to that high standard of care. So it was really in the best interest of our patients to temporarily close. And what was interesting, too, is that we know that individuals can have the virus and be asymptomatic. So to be in clinic around individuals who are most at risk, that is not a a good ingredient. So it's it's been one month since we've temporarily closed that audiology services, and um, a lot went into that, uh, Dr. Delfino, a lot of crisis control. So let's kind of talk a little bit about what we had to do as a private practice to ensure that communication with our patients was and is still occurring. Yeah, obviously the, the first the first job or impact of this was to let our patients know what our position was and what their what their resources were going to look like um, for the next few days, months, whatever. At that point in time, we really had no idea as to how long this was going to take. And so the um, email blast, phone conversations with our patients, uh, letting them know that we were here for them, that we wanted to continue to support them in any way that we could in a very safe and um, effective manner. And that's exactly what happened. And I think our patients appreciated that. We also had set up... Um, notification at the office door to let folks know that um, we, while we were not conducting business hours, we were there for them for emergencies and for drop-offs. I'm really happy that you brought that up, Dr. Delfino, because you had recommended um, an incredible service option for our patients. And I'm talking about the repair drop-off, the emergency drop-offs. Why don't you elaborate on that a little bit and how we're conducting that at Audiology Services? That part of the of the business really cannot stop in as much, and it doesn't need to be a face-to-face encounter. Um, we have been doing, doing repairs um, without face-to-face contact for many, many years. And this was a way in which we could 
assist our patients as well as to keep the doors, if not virtually anyway, keep the doors open. Um, we in our office, it's set up so that we've got a vestibule. We set up what what was a, a table, a presentation for them to drop off their instruments. We gave them instructions with regard to how it needed to be dropped off. Uh, Blaze, you had set up a camera there so that we knew when someone was coming. Absolutely. We could, we could observe them, see what, what, what was going on, and then follow-up questions. We, we, we are in receipt of your instrument. We, when, mm-hmm. when it comes back mm-hmm. from repair, we'll, in fact, let you know. So. Absolutely. And a lot of the feedback that we've gotten from this uh, strategy of repair and emergency drop-off and pickup has been very well received. And to any of our patients listening, uh, we are still conducting this repair and emergency drop-off. It is, however, scheduled repair drop-offs and scheduled pickups. I think that's really important to note. And the reason being is because we don't want patients coming in contact with each other um, to ensure that uh, COVID-19 does not um, spread and, and we're still doing our part to flatten that curve, which I, I think that was a great strategy to to allow our patients to still stay in contact with us because we know that hearing instruments and hearing technology, you have that maybe it's bi-monthly or monthly routine maintenance of changing a wax guard, things of that nature. And we also wanted to make sure that we maintained accessibility with our patients yeah, and I mean, to our patients. Know, this, this, whole, this whole epidemic has created such a... a a mandatory uh, need for isolation. And as, as we know, just with the psyche of people that are hearing impaired, isolation prior to amplification is certainly something significant. People with hearing impairment have in some way, shape or form been practicing social distances, distancing for as long as they've had hearing loss. And so we wanted to make sure that we were still in, we were still in contact with them, that we were still able to um, have an, have an idea as to what they were doing, how well they were doing. And we were able to step in and make sure that they were able to continue to hear as well as they would normally. Yeah, absolutely. Dad, you've been in practice for over 30, 35 years, quite, quite a long time. So, um, when we talk about the accessibility aspect as as we just were, remote programming and really telehealth in the audiology field has been available. This, this is a tool that has been available to us. Uh, Dave Fabry was talking about this on LinkedIn that telehealth's been available to audiologists for quite some time. What I found interesting, though, is that in the state of Pennsylvania, when it comes to telehealth, we have uh, very vague um, yes. regulations yeah. and restrictions, which yeah. I, I found that to be very interesting. I actually read that on healthyhearing.com. But what has your experience been with telehealth? What are some of your thoughts during this time? Because we want to tie in that cognitive aspect too, right? So patients who, maybe not for first fittings, but fine tunings, things of that nature. What has your experience been with telehealth? What are some of your thoughts? I'm, I'm curious to know. I have really no direct experience with telehealth and as much as I've never really had to perform it, I've, I've seen a number of um, facilities and methods of which to execute telehealth. I think it is an excellent tool uh, for us to use in certain situations. There are still lots of um, parts of it that need to be figured out, but I think moving forward, um, it may be a way in which we will be able to best 
care for some of our patients, a, a, a more ad hoc group. But um, I, I like the idea. I'd like to pursue it more. But again, I want to. I would like to to be able to uh, have it. In, 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 in the most meaningful manner that it, um, in fact, is not a substitute for uh, face-to-face, but rather is an addendum or an add-on for some um, ancillary services, such as uh, making some adjustments. Um, sure. That's where I see see telehealth moving uh, for a- us. Absolutely. And, and I would definitely have to agree with you in terms of, is telehealth and remote programming the best for first fitting? Absolutely not. As, as a practice, we do not agree with that. But during this time, during this, during this COVID-19 pandemic, uh, utilizing these, these tools to stay in contact with your patients for current hearing aid users who may need fine-tuning, things of that nature, I think that's really important. Um, and, and Dr. Delfino, you were discussing the social isolation aspect um, that is currently occurring. We're being forced to socially isolate ourselves, but those with hearing loss... Um, really do over time socially isolate themselves if it's a gradual hearing loss they will they will gradually isolate themselves so what are some things that that we've implemented uh, as a practice to ensure that social isolation doesn't really um, take a toll on our patients such as maybe those care calls and things like that well I, I, I think um, the with with the advent of um, the virus, and again now bringing to mind uh, social distancing for the uh, the entire population, um, it creates obviously issues with regard to um, folks that are already struggling with 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 hearing. They've got hearing aids, and now we've added another barrier, if you will. This six foot distance it becomes more and more difficult for them to hear and understand. And I'm thinking along the lines of. For some of our patients, I want to certainly start to suggest and maybe you set up a loaner program with using connect mics, a way in which we can improve the signal-to-noise ratio um, so that if they are at a distance of six feet or greater, they are in, in a safe spot but are not feeling as socially isolated. I don't want this to be a step back for them. I would like for this to be a step forward. Again, reintroducing mm-hmm. for some of them mm-hmm. a remote mic. And at the end of this, if we ever get back to this um to a more normal way of living, the mm-hmm. connect mic sure. may be a nice way for them to integrate that into their day-to-day living. And Dr. Doug Beck is a huge advocate for the connect mic. Absolutely, um, yeah. And, and those remote microphones. And, and we are we are absolutely too. And a lot of the patients that we do fit with the hearing technology, we, we recommend the, uh, the remote, uh, remote microphones. When it comes to that social isolation and just as a practice, um, you know, Dad, what we've been doing is, is you know, those those care calls, checking up on our patients, seeing how they're doing, mm-hmm. sending emails, and we are active on, on our phones. We need to make sure that we are keeping that connection with our patients because as a family practice, we do treat all of our patients like they are members of our family. And we know that a lot of the patients that we do see may live at home alone. So we definitely want to make sure that we're um, touching base with those patients, having a conversation with them to keep those um, that cognition aspect there because without a doubt, they might be lonely. So that's something that we are doing as a practice, those care calls, check-ins, um, even emails, things of that nature. So Dr. Delfino, you had mentioned before about the social distancing and speaking to patients from six feet away. Now, we know as we um, 
increased distance, that speech intelligibility can also and really does decrease with distance. I was watching a very interesting video that Dave Fabry released on LinkedIn, and he was talking about face masks. And while face masks are, in fact, they are protecting um, all of us from contracting the virus, but those who may have the virus, giving it to someone else if you're asymptomatic. However, those individuals that have hearing loss are at a disadvantage because um, uh, Dr. Fabry was talking that, especially at 2,000 hertz, some of these masks can create attenuation from 3 to, I believe, it was 40 decibels of attenuation at 2,000 hertz. I definitely welcome your thoughts on that. I thought that was really interesting, and it makes complete sense because anytime you close up your mouth, uh, you're going to create that attenuation and decrease speech intelligibility. Yeah, we've also eliminated the visual cues that many of the hearing impaired and not so hearing impaired folks count on for filling in contextual cues that they're missing auditorily. And so it's not only filtering out the speech, but now it's also disallowing them to use a skill that they've developed to um, better understand what's being said. Face masks are necessary. And I think we're going to see as patients start to return to the practice that are wearing face masks, we may want to consider doing making some adjustments to their instruments so that they are, in fact, better able to communicate for the while that they're wearing masks with their friends, family at home. Um, mm, okay. Can, can you expand on that in terms of making adjustments? Would that be like, because Dr. Favory was, was yeah. discussing an additional program for patients who do wear hearing technology um, to increase those higher frequencies without exceeding MPO. And this is really where real ear measurement would come into play extremely well. Yeah. And I think another way to, to verify what's going on is to do some uh, sound field testing um, six feet away from the speaker, making delivering some recorded speech, making adjustments based upon the patient's responses. This also gives them the sense that, okay, I'm participating again in my ability to hear and understand what people are saying with it, with a mask on. Again, this may be a temporary fix, but one in which they, that they need now. Um, we don't want to add to their isolation. We don't want to add to their their feelings of, of, of anxiety creating mm. that program mm -hmm. or that additional amplification may be just what sure. they need. And it's interesting, too. I think it's important to add that the attenuation will vary mask to mask. For sure. Right? It, yeah. it, it absolutely will. Um, and for individuals who maybe have family members who are hearing impaired, some things that you can do is, number one, slowing down your rate of speech. A lot of us in the Northeast, we like to talk really fast. So when you're addressing your family member or friend who does wear hearing technology, hearing aids, um, slow down your rate of speech. You want to say their name before addressing them. And we want to make sure that the lighting is really good. Correct, Dr. D? Yeah. I mean, certainly anything that we can do to improve. I mean, facial facial grimaces oftentimes are what people with hearing impairment look to for filling in those contextual cues. Someone's got a mask mm -hmm. on, but you can mm -hmm. still see a smile or a frown. So yeah, that anything we can do to improve um, the visibility is, is going to be paramount to their un ability to understand. Absolutely. So any of our patients listening right now, when you do come in the clinic, it is highly likely we will create a 
additional program for you that will be called the mask program where we're going to increase some of those higher frequencies for you. Uh, We'll do some sound field testing, but also real ear measurement with the mask on. And it'll be interesting. We'll have to see, um, maybe we'll reach out to, to Dr. Fabry to see which, um, which mask we should use for real ear measurement. If we're doing live speech, things of that nature. I think that's really interesting. Um, I also want to discuss dad, because this was really interesting. Um, on the topic of face masks, how about Protocam additive manufacturing? We definitely want to uh, to give them a, a hearing matters round of applause. Bob Holbrook, Ed Graham, uh, Ron Belknap, the entire team at Protocam Additive Manufacturing in Allentown, Pennsylvania. They're an additive uh, manufacturer, 3D printing. They created face masks for St. Luke's. How how incredible and awesome is that? Yeah, I mean that's that's such a such a blessing for us to have that kind of talent um, locally and for Fader Plugs to be associated with that kind of talent. Um, that would certainly be one of the masks we'd love to be able to work with because that's the that's the kind of mask that's going to be used as uh, in the hospitals. And I know just from being in ORs, trying to listen to people talk, although you're not, not wearing an N95 mask, it's a little bit more dense in my senses. It's probably going to be more difficult mm. to to hear with that. Mm-hmm. So that would certainly be some nice nice data to gather. Yeah, no, I think that's a great idea. Bob, if you're listening, we're going <laughs> to, hopefully we can purchase a mask or two off you for our testing to help our patients. That would be wonderful. And then we can even hang it up in the in the office. I think that's great. And and Protocam and, and all the businesses, you know, in the Lehigh Valley, um, thank you so much for, for all that you're doing. Um, Dr. Delfino, what has our team been up to? We've been out of the office seeing patients face-to-face for one month. Uh, I think this was... Um, it's been a learning curve, I think, for for the world. It really has been. We are so used to just waking up and going and going and going. But what has our, our team been up to throughout the past 30 days? Well, I know that we've been, we've been doing lots of continuing education. <laughs> um. Yes. So why don't, we, why don't we touch base with that? All of the webinars, which, by the way, thank you to all of the major hearing instrument manufacturers, Otacon, Starkey. Thank you so much for putting on these webinars um, for these, these continuing eds. It, it's really given us the opportunity to kind of play catch up on some of those articles and areas that we've been meeting to um, read about, to explore uh, research papers that have been mentioned. And uh, it's given us the opportunity to, again, to immerse ourselves in that, like it or not. It, for the most part, it has given us a unique time opportunity to explore some of those areas that we perhaps would not have gotten around to. Absolutely. And, and it's so important because to best serve and to better serve our patients, these continuing education units are so important. We've learned a ton. Yeah. Um, we, we've definitely utilized this time to just invest in our knowledge, invest in our profession. Um, and again, thank you to, um, you know, to Audiology Online. They've been releasing a lot of, of great content as well and healthy hearing. In the clinic, I know we uh, when our patients return, they're going to to notice quite a different visual. We uh, we repainted a bit. I don't want to give uh, give too much away now, but it's it's definitely been interesting. We completely repainted the office, which was great. It took about a day or two. Um, I did spill an entire gallon of paint yesterday, so I hope I can <laughs> that can add some some comedy here. It was not fun, Dad. It was literally the first time I've ever uh, spilt any paint, so. It was nice to to be in the clinic, 
and get it ready for our patients to create an environment for them that is always and needs to be comfortable. It's like a hearing home for them, and, and that's really what what uh, what we've been up to. Um, how about what can patients expect, Doctor Delfino, when when they return back to the clinic? Well, the first thing they can expect is a very warm welcome from six, six feet, feet away. away. <laughs> <laughs> for everyone's health, absolutely. Um, so glad to see them. Want to find out what they're doing. We're we're certainly going to be spacing our patients differently, and again for a number of reasons, but certainly to find out what they've been up to, how they've been doing, what can we do to help, um, and to let them know that we are here to serve them safely and efficiently as they need it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I miss seeing our patients in clinic. I think we all do. It's, yeah, yeah um, they are truly like our family. Yeah, really. It's been so different. And, um, you know, to our patients that are listening right now, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for trusting audiology services with your hearing health. And we look forward to seeing all of our patients in the clinic when we return. That's all today for the Hearing Matters podcast with Dr. Gregory Delfino and Blaze Delfino of Audiology Services and Fader Plugs. Until next time, hear life story. They can't be bought. They can't be won at carnivals for free. Well, it took me years to get those souvenirs. And I don't know how they slipped away from me. Thanks again for tuning in to the Hearing Matters podcast today. I'm your host, Blaze Delfino, and on behalf of our entire team, thank you so much for the support. Truly, it means so much to us. Head on over to the Apple Podcast app and share your thoughts. What did you like most about this episode, and what do you like most about our podcast? Five-star reviews are always appreciated. And also, head on over to Instagram, hit that follow button, and let's connect. And as a team, we can continue to help our community hear life story.